On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel a.k.a. Menas, and I've got a jam-packed show for you this week. Coming up, I've got Peter Siddle and Ashton Agar, but to kick things off, I've got Pete Lawler, cricket writer from The Australian on the phone. Pete, where are you? <laughs> Lazy day in Port Elizabeth, mate. Supposed to be at the cricket, but as we all know, that ended a little bit early, so uh, I'm just going to hang here. It's nice by the beach. No rush to get to Cape Town. Excellent. I, I've been enjoying your commentary on SEN Radio throughout the series. Have you been enjoying it? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of you to say that you're enjoying it. I think I'm a bumbling idiot, um, and I'm a bit worried that uh, my lack of knowledge will be exposed. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I, I like it late in the afternoon, and uh, there's not much happening, and you can just have a bit of a chat, a lazy chat. That's what I like. When, when everything's happening, it's a bit hectic for me. <laughs> Uh, I think you, you've nailed the conversational style. I think you do that really well while the callers, you know, calling the game, you just sort of interject with your musings. I noticed Jared Waitley pretty quickly learnt that your filter sort of goes off and on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when you're a reporter, you have time to sit down and think about things and Google stuff and uh, consider it and take a deep breath and... And then you get another filtering process because you get the sub-editors and the editors saying, you can't write that. When you're on air, it just comes out of your mouth and um, mm, it's a little bit direct, straight from the farm to the table. No, I love it, Pete. Keep it up. Absolutely keep it up. Now, the Australians lost the second test. The series is now one all. What's the vibe like coming out of the Aussie camp after the loss? Oh, we just uh, had a chat to half a dozen players then and I think the... They could see pretty early on that they'd messed that game up. Um, and I'm yeah, always disappointed when you lose a game of cricket, but uh, they're pretty realistic about those things. I don't think they're beating themselves up. And in my opinion, anyway, I don't think guys are under too much pressure, nor should they be. It's one all in the series. And, you know, most people have done enough or more than enough to keep the wolf from the door. I mean, I know that some people consider that that Cam Bancroft, bangers as they call him, shouldn't be there and is playing for his place. But he's he's put in a reasonable effort. And um, Usman Khawaja, I think that might have been his highest score overseas. So there are a couple of good signs. I can't I can't criticise any of the bowlers. I think Tim Payne's played pretty well. David Warner's been excellent. Steve Smith will come good. Uh, so. They're in a good place. There's no need to panic, I reckon. In fact, there's no sense of panic. Good. You're very optimistic. Now, uh, tell me, do the players get uncomfortable when you take photos of them down at the beach in the morning? Hey, mate. <laughs> they got their, Those boys love it. they got their rigs out. That's how they, they, want to, they want people to see how well built they are. Uh, <laughs> no, but nah. seriously. 
Uh, in fact, I did. I only did it two mornings, Andrew. But uh, I did it one morning and put the picture up on, online, and uh, I noticed a few of the uh, few of the female cricket fans coming back and saying, "We want more pictures of cricketers with speedos." I wasn't so sure about that, but uh, yeah. I, I like taking photos, and they're pretty spectacular photos, aren't they? With, yeah. Uh, I can say so myself, with the sun coming up behind them, and uh, you actually can't make out who they are in the pictures because they're just silhouettes. So I just like that style of iPhone photography. Right? Well, it just I'm shows a what a amateur, hard work I'm a bit you of a are. Wannabe, yeah. You're down at the beach early on, getting getting you know getting into it. Good on you. But seriously, so. You know, the de Kock incident with David Warner has really tested the character of this touring party. How have they reacted to it? Look, well, the pressure has mainly been on David Warner, hasn't it? I mean, he's the one right in the middle of the firestorm, and he laps it up. His mental strength is astounding. That was a great inning on the first morning. That was really, really difficult conditions. He batted for two hours. Uh, it, it was harder after lunch when he got out. Uh, it was a shame he couldn't get on for 100, but that was, you know, it took a supreme batsman to make 100 in the conditions in that second test. That is testament to David Warner's mental strength. I think initially he was a little bit rattled by what happened. I could tell looking at him that he was shocked. He was shocked that somebody would say things like that to him, and he knew that he shouldn't have reacted like that. Uh, once they'd taken a deep breath, I think every, most people in the team, including Steve Smith, said, well, yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, we regret that, but uh, unfortunate. We'll just have to try and be better in the future. But uh, look, it's almost moved on from there. Gosh, the feelings between these two teams are so intense. We heard uh, AB to the USA the other day that since he was four or five years old, all he wanted to do was play cricket against Australia and beat Australia. I've heard that's the place you say it too. It's the big series in cricket for the South Africans. That's their goal in life, is to beat the Australians. So that's one motivating factor. The second motivating factor is that they've never actually beaten them in a series at home. And then there's a bit of hot sauce on top because this tour here last time in 2014 got pretty nasty and pretty willing. South Africans have a lot of scars over that. Or when I say a lot of scars, there's a resentment. Thing and what happened in 16 in the last time the South Africans were in Australia, the whole mint gate and all that sort of stuff. This is the South Africans' ashes. We're two nations that clash for some reason. I'm not exactly sure. I think mean, I said on air the other day that I've always said that Australian, when Australia and India meet, that clash as well. But I think that's because Australians like to give offence and Indians are keen to take it. Australians and South Africans are equally abrasive. Uh, there's something else goes on in there that I'm not really sure of. And when I say equally abrasive, I mean they're as abrasive as each other. Mm. So it's just a hotly contested series. And look, I'm not excusing it. I think the events of the first test, some of the events in these test matches have been quite unfortunate. And I'm of a mind that the Australians need to tone it down a level. I really think that sometimes they pushed it too far. But in no way am I absolving the South Africans because we've seen we've seen what's happened with KG Rabada, we've seen what's happened with Safety Plessy, with De Kock. I mean, they are the ones who are regularly incurring the wrath of the ICC. And up until this series, the Australians were able to boast that they are the least disciplined team in world cricket under the new system because while what they do looks 
unfortunate. It doesn't actually enter, I'm not going to use the phrase they use, but it doesn't actually register at the judiciary. But I would like them to see them take it down because the cricket's been outstanding. And I, I, I would like that you could watch the cricket and report on the cricket a little bit more. Unfortunately, there's been fires everywhere and it's hard to see it for the smoke. And some of that smoke is quite toxic. Yeah, I think um, what you what you say about the Aussies toning it down, I just think now that there seems to be better cameras and microphones everywhere that anything on the field is magnified even more than it was a few years ago. So maybe they do have to move with the times. But you mentioned KG Rabada. Mm. Now, that's been the big talking point here. Obviously, his suspension for the rest of the series. I heard his press conference and... Look, I have some sympathy for his actions because I think he just gets hot under the collar, but he doesn't seem remorseful, and I, I think he's just going to offend again. Yeah, well, what's his space? But he won't have, one good thing about his suspension is that he won't get in trouble again in this series. Um, yeah, look, it's the South African way, I find, when they uh, generally, when they're accused of something by the match referees or they're hauled up and disciplined, they tend to protest, they tend to appeal, they tend to say we are innocent. We saw it with Faf Duplessis over the ball tampering stuff. KG says, I've let the team down. I think he was trying to be positive in a press conference, as positive as he could be. But look, in his heart, he knows he has really let this team down. I think possibly team management really, really needs to intervene, and maybe they will. And if Faf a strong captain, he would intervene as well. And I think AB, AB Davidis also, because they can't afford for him to continue playing cricket like this. Yeah, gee, he's one of the best fast bowlers I have seen. He is so exciting. His, his stats speak for themselves. Um, it would be terrible if he keeps messing up. He needs, you say, he needs to understand that batsmen have... It's like what they teach kids at school, isn't it? There's a bubble... You don't get in their face and you don't touch them. Cricket is a non-contact sport, at least person to person. He did admit that that's what he's got to do. He's got to learn to take his celebration away from the field. You can go over the point and bellow like a, a buffalo for an hour. I mean, and there's no problem with that. We saw that with Warner bellowing and carrying on in the run-up, run-out in the first test. It was because he did it at a distance and what he, and he didn't say anything that that transgressed as far as the uh, umpires were concerned. KG has got to learn to veer off. He's got to take rugby out of his cricket. He, he can't be can't be face to face confrontational. Absolutely not, and that's cynical. And I, I tell you one thing: his his claim that that wasn't deliberate. Well, Jeff Crow dismissed that and said said it absolutely was deliberate. And I watched a little replay of it again this morning with somebody showed me. You watch when he gets close close to Steve Smith. He actually drops the shoulder. Now, I'm not saying he shoulder charged him. It was the most minimal of contact. But his body language said that he knew he was going to make contact with him and just wanted to give him a little tap on the way past. Now, one of the Aussies um, has got in a little bit of hot water, uh, Mitch Marsh. I thought he said to KG Rabada when Mm. he got out, well bowled, mate, but apparently he said something else. So he's lost a demerit point, had to pay a small fine. Any sort of comment on that from the camp? And how's, his, how's Mitch Marsh's injury? Uh, well, well bold, mate. I think he asked him if he was a fan of James Blunt. But, um, yeah, that was, he deserves a fine for that. It was stupid of him. 
especially to do it with, as you say, with cameras and hours, but uh, you don't need to abuse people like that, you know, because his injury, I don't think it's that serious. Um, I saw him walking around the same hotel this morning, and he doesn't even look stiff. Um, I could be proven wrong, but there doesn't seem to be great concern. I'd watch this space. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if they put it still in, it's cover. It's a long time between tests, but... Uh, I don't, not, there doesn't seem to be great concern. And it was very interesting that Steve Smith said, oh, I had him in sweat because I didn't think he should be in the field. But then I learned, they told me later that he could have been in the field. That goes to show you that it's probably quite a minor strain. Mm. Now, I want to look back at just a few key moments from the second test. Uh, on the first morning, Steve Smith won the toss, elected to bat. Australia made 243. He said he can sort of considered bowling. Do you think he got the decision to bat first right in hindsight? Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm never a fan of criticising the decision. I they didn't get rock and rolls. The batsmen got through the first two hours of play, didn't they? I mean, they only lost their first wicket coming into lunch. So that tells me that there was no issue with batting first. Problem was they just didn't make enough mm-hmm. runs. Bat first, bat second. You win the test match by making a lot of runs. And history that suggests at that ground... You were always back first. So, you know, and he, yeah, you win the toss, you bat second, you lose the game, everyone's up here. I, I have no problems with what he did. Mm. Mitch Marsh being crook on that first day didn't help because he's been in such good form. Him not being able to bat properly was, a, I thought, a hammer blow on that first day. Absolutely, and I think he felt bad about that. Um, he had indicated to the team that he was right to go. But what he didn't know, that he was going downhill at a rapid rate. So he just thought he had a minor stomach bug. But as we saw, it turned out to be something major in a matter of hours. And unfortunately, there's been a real bout of gastro go through the team hotel. It's got umpires. It's got players on the other side. It's got team officials. Any journos? Media manager. So, um, sorry? Any journos get it? Journos? No, no, we can't afford to stay in the team hotel. We're in in cheap digs, and so we've been safe. And uh, cricketers don't shake hands with us anyway, so we can't transfer the uh, bug. <laughs> now, A.B. de Villiers made his 22nd Test 100. He just seemed to be playing a different game on that pitch. In the last sort of 12 to 18 months, you've seen a lot of Steve Smith, a lot of Virat Kohli. Now you've seen A.B. de Villiers in his pomp. I mean, he's, he's right up there with those two as being one of the best players in the world, isn't he? Oh, he is gifted by God. Stephen Smith works very hard at his name, but AB, he's head and he's just one of those guys who has just been blessed to be able to have that extra time to play a array of shots to the same delivery. I reckon if Steve Smith was as talented as AB DeVita's, Steve Smith would be averaging 80, 90. Steve Smith has to work at it. It just comes naturally to AB. That was just... It was just a privilege to watch that man back. You know, he's a level above. It's a crime that he hasn't played cricket in the last 18 months, two years. Um, yeah. Wow, he's something else. Hey, Australian bowlers have got him out once in the series. Yeah, and even, you know, with Rabada's form, I mean, without AB de Villiers, it would have been a much closer game. So just a phenomenal innings. As I said, it just looked like he was playing a different game. I mean, everyone else was struggling out there, and he just came out and smashed the bowling. Yeah, that's right. I mean, fancy Dean Mark. I mean, uh, Mark from can go like crackers, can't he? And poor old Dean Elgar and those guys. Uh, just, yeah, they're mortal. 
he's a god with a cricket bat, A.B. De Villiers. Yeah, now Faf Duplessis, the South African captain, hasn't scored many runs in this series. I guess that's a bit of a concern for the South African side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He does. He's not looking great with the bat, and I think it's starting to get to him a little bit. And, you know, some of his crap captaincy's been questionable. But, uh, yeah, I've seen, I saw Fafton Plessy frustrate the Australians on his debut in Adelaide, whatever year that was. And I've seen him play some pretty good innings against Australia. He, he's, he's not gifted like, um, like AB, and he doesn't have the application or the skill of even of Smith, but, uh, He's an honest cricketer. I, I, I prefer him as captain, frankly, to when A.B. De Villiers has captained the side. Uh, yeah, he'll be all right. Hope not. Hopefully he doesn't get too many more runs. Yeah, yeah. Right? Can you start Hopefully asking him? Hopefully he comes good next series. Yeah. Start asking him about his form yeah. for me. All right, so the series is locked at one all. In sort of my estimation, I think two all is looking pretty good here, from here, a two all result. What's your sort of uh, prediction, not result-wise, but for the sort of style and the play of the rest of the series? Oh, yeah, my crystal balls dropped off the table years ago. I reckon I'm very, very disappointed that I'm not going to see more of KG Rabada play because you don't often get to sit at a ground and watch a bowler like that. I reckon I'm going to see a hell of a lot more of AB to be used batting. I'm hoping that I get to see a bit more of Steve Smith batting. I think David Warner is pressing. He hasn't really, you know, he, he had good starts, good 50s and stuff like that. But he's got a big innings coming. That's what I wouldn't mind seeing. And uh, what I'm really enjoying is the battle, too, between the two spinners, Lyon Maharaj. Maharaj has the edge at the moment, but uh, wait and see. Well, Pete, thank you so much for your time and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. So heading off to Cape Town now and then Joburg. Uh, yeah, heading off to Cape Town tomorrow and then Joburg. Yep, just going to enjoy the delights of Port Elizabeth before I go. There's a fish shack down in the harbour that might go and have a fish meal. And then there's a, another little place that I want to go to tonight. It's just outstanding. Cubatos, Portuguese chicken and prawns and ribs. It's as rough as guts. You wouldn't normally go in there for fear of fear of being shot. I think it's got... It's all barred up and you have to buzz to get in. It's in a really rough area. But by God, it's good food. It'll get you back about 50 cents for the dinner. Well, you've, <laughs> you've just made all the listeners very hungry, Pete. Thank you so much. Enjoy South Africa and hope we'll catch up after one of the tests. Good to talk, AKA. Thank you. Well, great stuff from Pete Lawler there from The Australian. And remember, you can keep up with all the action from the News Corp reporters, Pete Lawler and Ben Horn. Uh, Pete Lawler's stuff is on theaustralian.com.au and Ben Horn's reporting is on dailytelegraph.com.au slash cricket, but also on all the News Corp websites nationally, Herald Sun, Courier Mail, Hobart Mercury, you name it, Ben Horn's stuff is there. All right, now we're going to take a quick break, and then when I come back, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Australian, West Australian, and Perth Scorchers all-rounder, Ashton Agar. How far is the keeper going to go? Here we go. Here it is.
Hi everyone, welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, and joining me now, I have on the line a player that has represented Australia in all three formats and made a memorable 98 on debut. Welcome to the show, Ashton Agar. How are you? Good, thanks, Matt. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, have you enjoyed the season so far? Yeah, I have. Uh, I feel like it's been a, a really productive year, probably personally, I guess, and um, and with the teams that I've played in, I guess it's been a year of, of self-confidence, really. I think that's the biggest theme that I've tried to take into this year is just going out there and expressing my skills and, and backing myself while I do that. And um, fortunately, that's really paid off and seem to be in a good place. Yeah, when you say self-confidence, is that a sort of more inner belief that you have this year? Abs- yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about it, and I, I gave it a lot of thought, actually, what the difference between, uh, say, going out and playing state cricket, and you're still playing a really good level of competition, and going and playing test cricket or one-day cricket or 2020 cricket, and you sort of get um, a little bit more nervous, and, and maybe you just don't um, let your skills sort of wander free as, as you would in state cricket. And I thought, you know, what is the difference and why is that? And I think it's just came down to um, putting probably a little bit too much pressure on myself at times and, and um, you know, and a, and a slight lack of self-belief at times, I think. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm just I'm going to go out there and play it like it's any other game of cricket and, and let my skills just do the talking and back myself with whatever I'm doing. And it's really working so far. So how has Justin Langer helped you sort of gain that self-belief? Well, he's shown a lot of faith in me for about five, six years now. He's shown a lot of faith, you know, probably in my second season, he just kept picking me even though I was struggling a bit um, as a 19 and 20-year-old um, at times. He, he showed a lot of faith and I feel like I've, I've broken through that, that slight barrier that I probably faced at that age. And, and he just fills me with confidence. He, he's a coach that knows how to get the best out of me. And, and works really well with myself. And, um, you know, I, I certainly owe a lot to him because um, he cares about me just as much as a person as he does as a cricketer, uh, which is so important um, from a coach. And he's obviously got a world of experience, so he knows how to deal with different people really well, and he certainly helped me a lot. You're a great bloke, JL. Now, one of my highlights for the summer viewing was when you played against your brother, Wes Agar, in the Big Bash. I think it was at in Perth against the Strikers. Yeah, it was. Um, What was that like? Yeah, so much fun, actually, over in Perth. He'd played against WA before when he played for South Australia in a one-day game, but I couldn't play because of my shoulder. So that that was the, the first time we've ever played against each other in a professional game of cricket let alone any game of cricket and that was really exciting you know my mum was over there obviously my brother and and my dad were watching watching on back in Melbourne and all our mates were watching as well it was it was just really nice you know all of a sudden I looked up and Wes was at the top of his mark about to bowl to me I was definitely more nervous for him than than for myself you know I just I really wanted him to do really well but I wanted us us to win at the same time so it was a it was a funny balancing but it, it worked out nicely in the end yeah it was sort of a lot of love in the air that night your mum was so happy and um you know you and your brother seem like you, you get on quite well and i guess are you quite competitive with each other or oh we're best mates um me and my two brothers so Wes obviously is the youngest and then my other brother will and myself we've you know we've played cricket together every single day growing up after school we'd play until it got um, too dark to see the ball and then we'd go inside and 
would repeat that the next day. So competitive nature with each other, but we're also best mates. So it was it was so exciting, and it was a really proud moment actually for both of us. And I was I was super proud of him at the same time. So did you grow up in Perth? No, no, I grew up in Melbourne. I was um, I moved to Perth when I was eighteen in twenty twelve, and because I was offered a contract in WA, and um, I, I figured it was probably the you know, it was my best chance of getting an, an opportunity to actually play some games of state cricket. You know, Victoria had some really good spinners at the time and still do. So, yeah, I made the move and, and it's really paid off for me. Yeah. Do you think, though, in hindsight, you should have gone to a a, a state where the, the pitch spun a bit more? Oh, it might have been handier for things like my average and things like that, but... um. Oh, look, I think bowling at the wicket definitely makes me a better bowler because I have to bowl really well. You know, there's obviously not a big margin for error there and the wicket doesn't really offer too much. But for my batting, it's been awesome. Um, it's a great wicket to bat on. So that's certainly helped my all-round game, um, which is something that's really important to me. And that's why I like playing cricket. Um, so, yeah, I have, I have no regrets in that sense at all. And I just have to make the most of my opportunities when I get to play on a wicket that might offer a little bit of spin. Yeah, so I guess when you do get on a turning track, your eyes light up. Absolutely. You don't get too many of them, you know, but you might get one a year. And um, like I said, you just have to take that opportunity and, and be the one to try and take a big bag of wickets for the team. And uh, I feel like I've done that so far when I've had the chance. Now, I want to look at the Scorchers' performance in the Big Bash. Uh, how was the sort of fallout from the Scorchers season? What was the sort of um, – how do you assess the way the Scorchers went? Oh, extremely well. We had our depth tested more than any team in the competition before that and definitely the most we've ever been tested. So that was really special. I think we played 20-something players throughout the whole Scorchers campaign which is not ideal but um everyone really stepped up when they had to and we had a really young group at times really inexperienced group but we got the job done on a number of occasions under pressure and and made it to a semi-final which we're disappointed that we lost that really because we wanted to win another another big bash but unfortunately that wasn't the case but i think we can take a lot of believing ourselves belief in ourselves after that having been tested so much so um overall pretty successful but not as successful as we would have liked yeah i agree with the, the the testing of your depth i looked at it sort of at the beginning especially the beginning of the campaign at the end when the players were injured at the beginning and then went off at the end to play for australia that you know you're almost playing sort of half the first side and then calling on the rest of the squad members so it was a terrific performance to make the semis in the end yeah we knew it was going to be tough right from the get-go when we didn't have jason berendorf we didn't have nathan Coulton-Nile. Sean and Mitch Marshall away playing for Australia, and the list goes on. And then Andrew Ty and myself weren't able to play in the semi-final either um, because we were away. So, like I said, we, we we were very proud of our efforts, but we did recognise at the start of the campaign that that was going to be a little bit of a battle and something that we were just going to have to face head on and and not complain, not whinge about. And we were just trying to keep moving forwards, and we did that really well. And and I think. You know, all the young guys that came into that group and inexperienced players are going to be so much better for that experience when they have to come back next time and, and um, perform even better because they, they did a really good job. Exactly. Now, from the big bash, you were picked uh, for the Australian T20 side that won the Tri-Series. You went undefeated through that tournament. I guess how much of the, the experience that the squad had from the big bash helped win that Tri-Series? Massively. And it was it was 
pretty easy to tell because we had a, a good group of players who were in good form, who had played you know a lot of T20 cricket leading up to that tournament. And it was also a really exciting group of players. You know, the team got along extremely well and we made sure we had a, a really fun time doing it. You know, David Warner just wanted us to go out there and express our skills and, and have fun. And that's exactly what we did. And unfortunately, we came out on top. And I think it probably showed, I guess, in, in the way we played. Yeah, and what sort of uh, advice did, say, David Warner and Ricky Ponting, who was assistant coach, give you personally? Just back yourself 100% with whatever you're doing. You know, good leaders, they always reinforce that you're good enough. You know, they, they make you feel good. And um, they back you 100% in the contest out there. So, you know, I knew I had everyone everyone's backing in that team um, with whatever I was doing in whatever situation. And that was a really special feeling. And um, then from then on, it was to me to go and, go and execute. And um, I think things planned out pretty nicely. Yeah, they did. Man of the match in the final. I guess you played for Australia in the last World T20 in 2016. The side didn't pro- progress past the group stage, but I guess now with this new team and the way they've sort of changed the structure, this is almost a new sort of view of the way to play T20 cricket. Do you think that's sort of changing the way the Aussies play the game? Oh, obviously it was a very different group to to the group that did play in the World Cup, and obviously they're there are some players who are in that test team that would come back into the 2020 team because you just have to you have to pick them there. They're absolute guns, you know. But, yeah, I guess so. I think we'll just take a lot of confidence from that series, you know, knowing that we can mix it um, with those two teams who are extremely strong um, T20 sides and, you know, and win a whole series undefeated. That's really important. And, and confidence is huge in cricket. So, um, yeah, we'll take a lot out of that, whether it's a completely new way of playing or... Um, you know, like a completely restructured team. I'm not sure of that. I think we just they just pick players who are who are in form and and who were going well at the time and had come off, you know, enough 2020 cricket to get the job done. I just thought maybe that the team had clearer roles in the the, the most recent team. Oh, look, I think the the messages from the coaching staff have always been the same. You know, they've always backed us to go and execute our skills. So the roles, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the. Maybe the communication was better about the rules, but, you know, I think it's always been pretty good. I think we just played a lot better. We played really well as a team and everyone actually executed their role when they were called upon. And that's um, really exciting. You know, we put a lot of good team performances together, which is exactly what you need in, in 2020 cricket. And, you know, there were a couple of match winners here and there, you know, like Glenn Maxwell had an unbelievable series and, and was firing. You know, when someone like that is going, you're in some pretty safe hands and, you know, there were some superstars in that team. So it was really well balanced and everyone played well. Yeah, I bet it was a competition of the biggest six hitters among the group. You know, Lynn and Maxwell and Finch, they all can hit huge balls. They are. Yeah, it's pretty scary at training. To be fair, that, that's the hardest part, bowling to those guys in the nets because you're getting a sore neck most of the time from watching the balls fly back over your head and you just know that they're going to do that in the game. You know, those batters were hitting the ball so well in the nets the whole time you know, practicing some pretty incredible shots and, and just playing really nice shots and, and executing. You know, the skill sessions leading up to these games were, were of the highest quality um, and they were lots of fun. And then, so we just knew that the batters were going to fire um, when the time was right. Have you thought about bowling in a helmet in the nets? <laughs> I have to Chris Lynn a couple of times. I've definitely thought about it um, because you get some balls back whizzing past you pretty quick and everyone who's who's standing 
watching you bowl and you know waiting to bowl next is is always well aware that you know they could quite easily get hit so um, there's a few cl- close calls most sessions to be fair so yeah bowling in a helmet might be a decent idea or a face mask or something like that yeah they have like baseball pitchers helmets that they're developing I think bowlers might need them soon yeah they might they might in their follow through I think some of the fast bowlers they don't have time to look up you know if they're getting the ball down there at a, at a good pace the balls that the batters are hitting hitting the ball uh, the pace you know which the batters are hitting the ball back is matching that airspeed so yeah absolutely it's risky and and the game certainly changed in that sense now uh you last august you came back into the australian test side on the tour of bangladesh that was four years between your first two tests and your most recent two what was it like coming back into the side and did it feel like almost another debut no it definitely didn't feel like another another debut it's pretty hard to replicate that feeling so i I was far more more confident in my all-round skill set um, going into that first test in Bangladesh. I think I knew my bowling was in a much better place and I knew that I was able to mix it at that level at that time because the ball was coming out really nicely and I put a lot of work into it, you know, to, to get to that moment. And it was just really, really pleasing. You know, I had a lot of fun and, and got a few wickets and the ball came out nicely and, I managed to get a couple of runs here and there, so it was re- it was a really really enjoyable series. Was it still fun when the team went one nil down in the series? Oh, it's hard. We knew it was going to be a tough challenge playing in those conditions because they're extremely good um, players in their own backyard. You know, they've got good spinners and, and batters who can play the spin really well. So we knew we had a fire in our hands for the second test, but um, to get over the line in that test was really important. And that's always a good test, you know, singing the team song at the end of a series. Yeah, exactly. And how's the, your bowling changed in the last four years? What, what sort of a couple of um, nuances that you've, you've changed in your bowling? I'm, I'm a far more accurate bowler. You know, I, I don't think I bowl as many uh, bad balls as I used to. You know, now when I'm running into bowl, I'm thinking of how to get the batter out. I'm not thinking about my action, my technique or anything like that. And I think that comes with a, uh, a lot of bowling and, and a bit of experience as well. You know, being in situations, or ha- like facing situations now that I've been in before because, you know, I've been around for another mm. four years since uh, my test debut. So that makes a big difference. And what did you take away from Trevor Holmes's comments that he saw you more as a, a second spinner? I mean, what what do you take from that? Well, it, to be honest, when I look at that, it, it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's he said that. I, I I don't mind at all. I just have to keep moving forwards. It's it's as simple as that. As soon as you start getting caught up in what anyone else says, um, that's when you start um, going backwards. I think so. Look, to be honest, my view on my game is that I'm trying to be the best batter, bowler, and fielder that I can be. That's that's the way I I, I love playing the game. I like being involved all the time, and I like being the best I can be. So. For me, it's all about moving forwards and not not getting caught up in anything else. Oh, you've got a very level head, Ashton. I can see that coming onto the scene at a young age has given you great experience. Yeah, it has. Um, you're forced to learn learn pretty quickly and and grow up pretty fast. I guess you're you're exposed to the highs and lows, you know, to great praise and, and great criticism, and you have to you know take them all at the same pace because both of them can be can be hard to deal with. Both of them can get into your head. And um, both of them can either really lift you up or drag you down. So, you know, you have to stay really even and um, not try and block all the external stuff out. 
but just work out what works best for you. I think once you're focusing on on your strengths and and on improving, then everything else just takes care of itself. So does anything get under your skin when people say stuff or put things on social media or do you block it all out? No, not now, not now. It it probably did used to a little bit because it would absolutely get to everyone. You know, you you hear some things that you just don't like at times and it and it and it can hurt you a bit, but now now I just know that this no, I've got nothing to worry about. You know, I'm, I'm playing cricket, um, which is a game. At the end of the day, I'm trying to be the best I can be and, and do my job for a team in you know, whatever team I'm playing for at the time. So because I've got a really simple plan and a simple way of looking at the game, I don't, I don't seem to worry about too much now. Well, Ashton, thank you. It's been a fascinating discussion. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. What, what's your plan for the off-season? Uh, plan for the off season is I think I've got a few weeks off. You know, once we finish this game here in Adelaide, a little bit of time off, and then I guess you never know with what what can come up. You know, with 2020 things, 2020 com- competitions popping up here mm. and there. So, you know, it would be nice to play in, in one one of those competitions, but I just have to wait and wait and see what happens. And uh, there's a there's a couple of Australian tours coming up. I think there's a one day tour. Might even be a test tour later on in the year, but um, yeah, UAE. So yeah, but right in the mix there. Oh, that'll be nice, obviously. But yeah, I don't really think too far ahead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy my time off and then do my best at whatever cricket I have to play. Well, Ashton, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Good luck with the rest of the season, and we'll catch up again sometime. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Great stuff with Ashton there. And listeners, if you've got a moment, can you please rate and review the podcast on whatever app you listen to the show on? And you can find me on Twitter at Amenas, A-M-E-N-N-E-R-S, or you can find the podcast on at Oz Cricket Pod, A-U-S Cricket Pod. All right, coming up after the break is 62 Test Veteran Peter Siddle. And Peter Siddle is on the hat-trick, also on his birthday. 26 today, Siddle. Get ready to yell, happy birthday, Tubbs. Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. Here we go. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. Oh, the ball is close. He's given him. He's given him. Peter Siddle's got a hat-trick on his birthday. Not yet, he has Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. To close out this show, I have the death bowler from the Strikers and Victorian fast bowling star, Peter Siddle. Pete, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Very well. It's getting to the you know the, the end of the, the summer of cricket in Australia, but yeah, hopefully for us, it's, yeah, it's our second last game, fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope, well, I sort of hope so, being a New South Welshman. But tell me, um, the Victorians are peaking at the right time. After the sort of big bash break, you've come out firing. Um, what do you put it down to and what's the mood like within the side? Yeah, no, it has been a good um, little, uh, you know, uh, time for us after Christmas. We went into Christmas, yeah, sitting at the bottom and not in a great position. But I think it was just about just making something of the season once we got back together after the big bash. And I think, you know, the boys wanted to... You know, have a good crack at trying to trying to do the four Pete and give ourselves every chance at least. You know, to make it a reality. And I think you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've played some good cricket. We're sort of firing at the at the right time, like you said. And you know, like hopefully, yeah, down Tassie this weekend, it's like a semi final against those guys. Pretty much, whoever wins um, goes through and plays Queensland in the final. So it's going to be um, a, a big week of cricket. 
Yeah, Victoria going for their fourth Sheffield Shield in a row. An incredible record. Do you think that experience is going to stand you in good stead for this this game? Uh, yeah, I think it'll definitely help. Uh, you know, the side over those years has changed a lot. I think you've had a, a few key members, but over that time we have played a lot of um, a lot of different players and a lot of blokes have had the opportunity to, you know, perform for Victoria, but in, in, in finals. So I think the, the experience throughout the whole group is definitely going to help. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of guys that are in the side now that haven't been able to experience your final success. So I think that that as well is going to help, um, you know, help this week and then hopefully um, move into next week as well. Yeah, there's a lot of big characters in the Victorian side. Glenn Maxwell, Aaron Finch, yourself, Cam White. Who are some of the guys that sort of keep the, the mood up in the team? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's been the good thing about it. You know, there's been a lot of a team spread with good personalities and, you know, being able to keep the, the team buzzing. But I think you've got younger guys like Marcus Harris and um, Seb Gotch, um, Scotty Bowl, and those, those guys are the ones that sort of, you know, keep the team ticking on and, you know, look after the side in, in, in different ways. And I think that's, that's what's made Victoria great over the, especially over my career, the success that we've had in that time has, has been put down to, you know, the group and how they can all gel together, work together. And, you know, and it's not, not, it's not left to sort of one or two guys that everyone sort of plays their role, whether it's off the field, on the field, but um, they get the job done as a whole. And I think that's um, going to be no different this year. Yeah, and in the last game, we saw young Will Pekoski get a nasty blow. Do you know how he's going after that? Yeah, yeah, he's doing okay. That's obviously disappointing for him personally. He's had the, the issues over the over the years um, um, with, a, with, a, with a few previous knocks. So it is disappointing for him to pretty much his season's probably ended at the at the moment, depending on how we go this week and where he's at next week. But yeah, it's disappointing to see such a you know a talented young guy um, ha- have these little these little um, interruptions in his career, you know, we, we watched a couple of games ago, he made, made 180, you know, he's made first-class century. And I think you, to see guys like that having to miss games um, because of little freak accidents is, is disappointing. But yeah, like, on a personal note, it's good to see him doing well. And, you know, he's, he's in good spirits, which um, which is good for his age. Yeah, when he got struck, though, it must have sent shockwaves through the dressing room. Yeah, it does, you know, like we, he got hit earlier in the year in the one days and, and end up having to retire hurt in that game and get subbed out. So it, it, it is disappointing to, you know, see a, such a talented young guy having having to miss cricket um, at, a, at, an, at an early age. But um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's something that, you know, he can not get used to, but, you know, get, get a bit get a bit better with dealing with and can move forward and just play the game that he loves. And we know that um, he'd, he'd be very good at it. And how's your season been? Yeah, that's no, been good. I think you know, I've obviously had eighteen months for two years out of it with little niggling injuries over the previous few seasons. But they've able to come back in and you know perform well in the one day series at the start of the, the start of the campaign. And I probably started the four day stuff a little bit slower than usual. But I think with the team success after the break, um, it's probably been um, where I've been able to hit my straps and start performing well, and you know, and, and, and offering the team something. So I think you know. Those sort of the, the more I've played, the better I've got. I think you know after coming off Big Bash and the success I had throughout that, I think it gave me a lot of confidence going into the, this back half of the um, Shield season. Yeah, and what was that Big Bash experience like? Lifting the title for the Strikers. I'm sure you're surrounded by Victorian players now, so they won't like you talking about this. But um, yeah, what was that like? You know, winning in front of that big crowd at the Adelaide Oval looked a fantastic occasion. Where does that sort of rank in your cricket experiences? Yeah, it ranks very highly. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be up there in the top, you know, sort of top, probably top three, five experiences that I've um, had over my career. It was, it was an amazing 
opportunity for me firstly to go over to Adelaide and um, be a part of such a good group. But then to be out of in my first year, um, yeah, to obviously hold that championship and, and, and be the champions of that big bash, I think it was probably a couple more years advanced than we probably thought when I was chatting to Tim Nielsen um, about going over there and joining the strikers. We sort of had a plan that, that it might take a couple of years to get the side right and bond together and, and get the results. But to be able to do it in the first year was amazing. And I think, you know, I enjoyed it. It was the first time I'd got to enjoy a full big bash stint um, with the team. So to be able to take that all in, you know, perform well personally and, and have the team success, um, there's no better way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you enjoy that role of bowling the death overs, you know, because all the pressure's on you, everybody's watching. Do you enjoy that role? Yeah, I, I think I just enjoyed the whole Big Bash experience. So I think it didn't really worry me where I bowled. I think throughout the whole tournament, I bowled at loads of different stages and different times. Yeah, my main role throughout that was to come on and restrict runs. So whether that was at the start, in the middle or at the end, um, that was my uh, main goal. But um, I'm pretty lucky that in that side, there's a lot of um, you know talented bowlers that, that could bowl at different stages similar to me. So I think it, it worked well. Um, to match up against oppositions. They didn't know how we were going to set up and who was going to bowl. I think we're pretty lucky in that that sense. And it probably shows that um, we had the success at the end of the day. Yes, certainly. All right, Peter. Well, thanks so much for your time. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you, we saw Kigiza Rabada being suspended for the rest of the South African series. I guess everybody's you know, getting stuck into him. But from a fast bowler's perspective, what's it like when you're fired up in the middle of a spell and you get a wicket? Yeah, no, I, I feel for him a little bit. Obviously, I know I want to see Australia win and do well. So it is it is going to be an advantage to us, him missing now. But I spoke about it yesterday in, in another um, chat. And, and I think it's disappointing for cricket. You want to see the best players out there. You know, his record speaks for itself. He's amazing to watch bowl and, and, and go about it. So it's going to be disappointing not to see him there for the rest of the series. And I, I totally understand the emotion that he that he goes through when he gets wickets and gets fired up out there. I I do the same, you know, you, you get pumped up for the challenge against those batters that you're, you're charging in against. And, um, you know, that, that sort of joy when you dismiss them and get and get the, get the reward that you do sometimes go a little bit over the top. And he, he pushes the boundaries probably a little bit too much. So I think he knows he's got to learn learn to sort of deal with those a little bit better. But, yeah, it's disappointing. But, um, yeah, what a, what a start to his career he's had. And I really do enjoy watching him play. Yeah, me too. I just think sometimes critics, I mean, I'm not excusing his behaviour, but sometimes critics forget that when you're really pumped up and the adrenaline's rushing, it's, it's, sometimes you make mistakes. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's, that's the thing. The emotion and adrenaline is so high that you do get a, get a really big buzz and it, it, is, it does make it hard. So I think that's the thing with dealing with that is, yeah, it's, 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 it is hard. And, and the game has changed a little bit. You do have to behave yourself a little bit more than you probably did previously in the past so um, he's probably got to move a little bit with um, change and, and, and the time it's, that's just how it is now but you know I think if you can just curb it a little bit start to relax those emotions slightly and um, just stay on the park because yeah he, he is one to watch and I think everyone in world cricket wants to watch you play well I totally agree and Peter thank you so much for your time good luck with hopefully two more games of the Shield season left Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Oh, what a great show this week. And thanks to the two Pete's for coming on and Ashton Agar. And remember, you can keep up with the South African tour at dailytelegraph.com.au slash cricket or the australian.com.au slash cricket. Okay, we'll be back next week with another podcast.